scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is... Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Oh, that's because it's our show. And guess what? Not yours. <laughs> and if it's your first time listening to the show, stop, stop and go, go back, back to the, the beginning. beginning. That's it. Done. It's as simple as that now. You know what I realized? If we wanted a new sound bite for a new bitish, bitish, new bitish thing, we could put a in a sound bite right there where we go. Bwah, 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 bwah. I could actually put in something there. Ooh, or we could just keep fun. doing it with our mouths. That's what she I like said. that too. What would you put in there? Would it be an? It air would horn? be a blah 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 blah. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> do you want to record us a blah 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 blah? I was gonna say it's kind of like the me and the ooh, that's scary. Girl. That was what that's, yeah, that's, what I was that's me. If you hadn't guessed, all of our you were like, no, it needs to be you because the way you say that, because the way you did it. And uh, did you guys know that? Oh, that's me. That's not a wolf. That's Sarah. <laughs> You know something? I don't think I knew that. <laughs> you were there when I recorded it. I was in that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> you were in the room where that happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. Like that song from, is that Hamilton? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this episode. Is that Hamilton? <laughs> I was like, oh, the room where it happened. The room where it happened. Is that the name of this episode? Sure. That or no one Did else. Did you say you had banter? Well, my banter leads into my story, and my banter is about mm. how fucking shitty my day was. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've talked a little bit about, but then we had to stop because you were like, well, this part, I want to be on the podcast. Yeah, I was like, not even this part, but like, I didn't want to fully finish my story without being like, and so that leads me into. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. What a day, y'all. It is a Monday. And let me tell you what, I'm going to tell you what, it is a Monday. It is a Monday. And you know what? Like, I'm on vacation this week. I'm off and I'm still like. You are still working. Uh, I'm still working. Correct. Like, we have our business. We have the podcast. We have my Facebook that got stolen from me that I'm trying to get back. That has that happened. That's real. That's awful. That's real, folks, who listen to the show. My Facebook got stolen. Yes. Yeah, I'm so locked out of it. I can't get back in. You might not see Stephanie on the Patreon exclusive page for a while because she's- I know. And I'm- <laughs> I got to tell you, that's the part I'm the most miffed about. I mean, other than thinking that my identity might be stolen and people might have, like, my, you know, personal- like payment and social security information. I don't know. That's scary. But I don't really use Facebook very much. But my favorite part of Facebook, honestly, is this Patreon exclusive group. That's really the only reason I keep Facebook too. That's really it. And yeah, now I'm I'm locked out of my Facebook. So you won't see me there for a minute while I try and figure out what the fuck to do about that. Stephanie is M-I-F. Missing in Facebook. Missing in Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I am. That's exactly what I am. See, you're off also the grid. Because, uh, you know, I had my... So I went to the nail salon a few weeks ago, and I had my nails done with gel polish because I know I'm going to get a gel polish set, and I want to transition into that. 
but I have some clutch nails over there that I really want to put on. But I'm like, but I have gel nails. Like, I just what do got I do my now? nails I done. Yeah. I can't. Well, I didn't just get them done. They're a few weeks away. They're a few weeks out now. And I'm like, would I put them over the gel? Would I try and take the gel off? I don't know. I would take the gel off, especially if you want the clutch nails to last a while. Or you could just buff uh, the gel and then glue it on. I still don't think it would last as long. I'm sure it wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know what to do. But I have this set called uh, Hot Girl Stunner, and I want to put it on so bad. And they're like long coffin nails with flames on them. I love coffin nails. I know. I don't think I've ever actually had a true coffin nail. Really? They're fun. Really? And I know you used to get them. I love them. Give me that coffin, girl. I'm ready. Let's go. Literally. Where's the coffin? I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) Put me in it. It's time. I'm done. It's time to go, girl. It's time to go, girl. It is time. All right, Sarah, give me your banter that leads into the story. Do we... Do we... Ask each other the question first, or do we do the banter, and then the question comes up, and then we move into the story? I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll segue. I'll sig you into it. Okay. So we talked a little bit earlier about, first off, Stephanie and I both just had days, y'all, so get ready. But we started- And we just talked to each other yesterday when we recorded last Literally not even 24 hours has passed. 24 hours? <laughs> like yesterday? I was I was in a great place yesterday. Things were good yesterday. I did yoga again. 24 yoga was hours back. later. For you, it's a week, everyone. For us, it was 24, 24 hours. hours. <laughs> That's why this hits so hard. So less than 24 hours ago when we were doe-eyed and bushy-tailed. We were riding high. Now we hit our low. Um, No, today was just a fucking day. And there were a series of events, a series of unfortunate events that happened. If you will. That led me to the biggest thing that probably put me at my tipping point of today, which is getting to work after a saga of things and then being at work. And realizing when I go to turn the heat on that the heat is not switching on. And by this point, when I go to the back, so my office has two thermostats. And I always go to the one thermostat first because every time I fuck with it, it always turns on. And so I go back there. And at that point, the thermostat is reading 65 degrees in the office. So I go back and I'm like, well, that's fucking cold. And I turn it up to 78 because I don't pay the electric bill. (laughs) And it's not switching on. Nothing is happening. So I'm messing it with it, messing with it. The fan itself won't even kick on. It's dead. So I go over to the other AC unit or heater, AC, you know, thermostat. thermostat. Same thing. 65 degrees, dead. And I'm like, well, that's cool. That's a lot of fun. So I walk back into my office. I throw on my office sweater that I have, and I'm already wearing two layers of sweaters because it is like 20 degrees in Philadelphia right now. So I put on my other sweater, and I sit there, and I'm like, there's no way that it's just fucking broken. There's no way. It was working on Friday. There's no way. So I go back, and I mess with it some more, and I'm like, no, it's broken. (laughs) So I reach out to our landlord and thank God, by this point, it's about one o'clock. I've been there since 830. My fingers are freezing. 
My toes are freezing. The tip of my nose. I'm about to oh, like. That's when it's the worst to me is when the tip of my nose is cold. That's, that's like my breaking point. It's not fun. In my ears, my hair was up today and I didn't bring my hat because I didn't expect to be in the frozen tundra in my office. And so I'm just, I'm cold. So my landlord shows up. He's like, I'm going to go take a look at it. I was like, great. Thank you so much. He comes back. He's like, yeah, that's broken. I'm going to call out the HVAC guys for maintenance to come out and help fix your situation. And I was like, okay, well, listen, I close at four. And to be honest with you, with how cold I am and how awful my day has been, I'm hoping to dip out of here at 3.30. So do you think they're coming today? He's like, no, hopefully we're going to get there, get them out here in an hour, in an hour. And I was like, all right, well, just keep me posted. I am definitely leaving at four. Moral of the story, she didn't leave until 4.45. I got a call. Yeah, I got a call from the landlord's office. HVAC people will be there by three. Is that okay? And I was like, well, it's going to have to be. But I'll be honest, I'm a level with you here, Cindy. I leave at four. And to be honest, I'm freezing. So I really was going to try to leave at 3.30. And she's like, all right, I'll let him know. And if the the HVAC guys aren't there by 3.30, like, call John, tell him you're leaving. And I was like, great, got it. HVAC guys showed up at 2.20. Hallelujah. That shit was not fixed until 4.45. Yeah, I was like, but even when they got there, they still had to, like, fucking do whatever the fuck they had to do to figure out what was wrong with it and then also fix it. And I don't think I realized how much that would affect my mood and my mental demeanor for the whole day. My whole day was awful. And to be honest, I don't think it would have been so awful if I wasn't freezing cold all day long. I didn't, I got barely anything done. I was just sitting there miserable all day. So that's going to lead me into my story. Um, so does that mean you want to ask the question that gets into the storytelling? Yes. I'll get into it. Hey, Sarah. So, yeah. Hey, Stephanie. Y'all ready ready to talk about some ghosts? Talk about it, Sarah. I'm going to talk about the ghosts in my fingers past because they're all fucking numb. Anyways, so this week, and I want to preface this by saying I'm I'm making light of me being cold today because you got to laugh through the pain. But, and I'll make some light in this story, but this story in and of itself is very sad and there's a lot of death. So I'm not actually making light of the severity of this situation in and of itself. I just want to let people know that right now. All right. So I was fucking freezing today and I decided that today was the day I was going to finally talk about the story of the schoolhouse blizzard of 1888. Oh, no. Also known as the children's blizzard of 1888. Because a bunch of children died in it. They sure did. They sure did. They sure did. There's a lot of child death. There is a lot of child death in this, y'all. Get into it. So on a lot of things, of course, weatherly, I don't think that's the right word, but like, meteorologists would be like, there was a lot of things that happened in the weather that led up to this perfect storm. I'm not going to get into all of that. (laughs) But there was a mixture of 
different snowstorms, etc. that happened between January 7th to January 11th that ultimately because of those cumulated culminated into what happened on January the 12th, 1888. And what happened was in, I'm going to talk mainly about Nebraska and South Dakota, but it happened to all of the states in that sort of Midwestern area. So I think Montana was hit, Nebraska, the Dakotas, that might have been the biggest ones. Wisconsin got a little bit, but it was mainly your Nebraska, Dakotas, and Montana. They all woke up and they'd been getting snow, but suddenly on this day of January 12th, it was unusually pleasantly warm. And so they all said, oh my God, this is so nice. It's like 68 degrees, 60 to, 60 to 68 degrees. This is great. And so they all went to work and the kids went to school. And then around, what time did it hit? Probably around 2.30 to 3 o'clock, all of that changed. And they said that within the two-hour block, they estimate that the degree dropped. What did it drop to? Hold on, I just had it pulled up. It ended up dropping. The degree, they say, dropped from around... 6040 to back below zero. And then when everything hit, the blizzard, the hard wind, they could not see their the visibility was less than a foot in front of you. So you couldn't see anything, and all of this hit them within the span of an hour, hour and a half. Everything just dropped, dropped. and went down to nothing. And it really sucked because it happened, again, between like 2 and 3 o'clock, right in the middle of the day. So people had gone to work. People had gone to work on their farms. And kids had gone to school. And so what you ended up have happen was you had people would leave. So it hit like 3 o'clock, 3.30. People would leave and try to make their way home. School teachers let their, a few of them let their students out to try and make their way home. And unfortunately, visibility was about a foot in front of you. And a lot of people never made it home. My God. So I'm just going to talk about a few little stories that stand out. In Plainview, Nebraska, Lois Royce was a school teacher. She found herself trapped with three of her students in her schoolhouse when the bad weather hit. And she, by 3 p.m., she had said that they ran out of heating fuel and she estimated they would not last through the night. She said that her boarding house was only 82 yards away. So she grabbed the three kids and they attempted to just walk there because it's not that far away. However, because the visibility was so bad, they became lost and the children froze to death. The teacher survived, but her feet were frostbitten and they were amputated. My God. In Nebraska, there was another uh, teacher who 
you know, a few, depending upon when they left, of course, you stand a better chance of surviving. But one teacher left, got lost on her way home, and she sought shelter in a haystack. And she remained trapped there until her rescue 78 hours later. And she unfortunately died on February 6, around 9 a.m. due to complications from the surgery to remove her frostbitten feet and legs. One story, though, from this, you know, the Great Blizzard is a happy one. So in the Great Plains of South Dakota, there was a schoolhouse. And what happened was these two men tied a rope to one house and then walked to the schoolhouse, grabbed the kids, and then they were able to follow the rope back. And they got all of the children out of the schoolhouse and into safety going that way. And then another very well-known story from this situation is that of Minnie Freeman in Mira Valley, Nebraska. She safely led 13 children from her schoolhouse to her home one and a half miles away. Damn. There was a rumor that she also used the rope technique to keep the children together. However, one of the children later claimed that that was not true. But however she did it, All of her kids survived. She's had songs written and recorded in her honor. And there in the Nebraska State Capitol building is a Venetian glass mural of the schoolhouse blizzard that's semi-abstract, but it does sort of portray Minnie Freeman leading her students to safety in the blizzard. Thank God. When you when you're in the city and you see like those groups of kids walking where they have like a rope that has like all the little handles on it and they all hold on to it, I'm just like yes. she invented that. Right? But she didn't. I think I don't know how she did it, but she managed to lead them, maybe like them holding hands. Right. She was That's like everyone hold hands and don't let go. She was like, We're gonna use the buddy system, everybody. Body And we're all buddies. Find your body. Body. Fucking nobody let go, Jack. I love. Have you seen Heavyweights? You've seen Heavyweights. I have not in a long time. Heavyweights was filmed in my mom's hometown. Of course, it was. Was Stacy Dubowski in it? You know she was. That was her debut. Of course, it was. That was her Dubowski debut. That came out weird. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. We have some. That was her Dubowski. Dubowski. That's it heavyweights so these kids kept their buddy and they lived a lot of other kids did not there's one story that i read that i'm going to talk about before i wrap all of this up because overall a lot of it's the same people tried to leave and get home and they did not make it and unfortunately most of them did die like within a mile of their home even less uh which is just very very sad to think about But you have one story that I read of this young couple that I just thought was fascinating. So it was a William and Kate Campen. They lived in South Dakota and they were ill-prepared for the blizzard. There we go. All right. Okay, she's back. You stupid bitch. Where was I? All right. This couple, they weren't ready. And so this thing hit um, and they ran out of coal for their fire. So William was like, I got you, bae. 
And he left and went 23 miles away to get more coal and supplies. And he took two of his horses with him. So he left them on January 8th of 1888. And this big blizzard hit on the 12th, right? So they'd had all that snow beforehand. He was like, we're running low. I'm gonna go ahead and run to the store. We need milk and cigarettes. And she was like, sure, okay. And so he left on the 8th. So while he was in town, the blizzard hit. So he was there on the 11th and his friends were like, yo, you have to stay. You can't go out in this. But he was like, my wife is at home. And also, guess what? She's pregnant. So he's like, I got to go back home. What he didn't know was that like a day after or maybe two days after he had left in between I guess, did he leave on the 8th? Maybe he left on the 6th. He left on the 6th, and then on the 8th, she gave birth to that baby, and then the blizzard hit. they froze to death. While he was in town, and he was like, I gotta go back home. But he didn't know that she had given birth to the baby. Of course. So they're at home trying to make it happen. She's like, I just had a baby, so I guess, like, I'll figure this out. And he went to go make his way home and he had his two horses with him and eventually both of his horses died because the wind itself was so strong that they both suffocated and at that point William found a barn with pigs in it so he crawled in with them to keep warm and then I think three days yep three days after the blizzard he finally made it back home to his wife and that happy baby. And, and they were alive? Reunited. They were alive. Everyone was alive. Oh, thank God. Everyone was alive. I thought you were going to tell me he got home and the baby and uh, the wife and the newborn baby that he didn't even know was born yet were both frozen to death. No, we'll leave it on a good note oh, and be like, he That's he nice. survived. His horses did not survive. I don't know if he made it back with the, uh, the pigs with the pig or with the coal or not. Um, but he did make it back. Everybody lived and it was great. Unfortunately, though, that's one of only a tiny, tiny handful of happy stories. This is mainly a very sad, sad event that happened. And overall, it is estimated that this blizzard that caught everyone by surprise also claimed 235 people. Damn. Most of which, which a lot of the accounts that I saw said like close to 200 of those were were children who froze on trying to get home. That's terrible. On their way home from school. On their way home from school. (laughs) Yep. They had to go uphill both ways in the snow, lost their life to get to school. (laughs) Oh. That's bad. This is really sad. I don't make levity of the actual situation. I mean, you, I mean, you kind of, but you do, but I get it. But I mean, we, that's what we do. Was it more of like making levity of the bullshit that our parents would say by saying those stupid quotes? Oh, girl, yes. When kids were actually dying trying to get to and from school, and my all dad you used had to, to tell do- me that shit, and he grew up in Puerto Rico. Like you didn't go in the snow anywhere, you son of a bitch. You're a liar. You might have had some hills. But that's it. Oh, my God. 
So that is my unfortunately very sad story of the schoolhouse blizzard of 1888, also known as the children's blizzard of 1888 that claimed around 235 lives when a beautiful sunny day turned into a raging nightmare. That's so crazy. It just like and the other thing too is not only were these kids out in the weather, not prepared to be in that weather, but they were so not prepared that they didn't have jackets. Yeah, it's not like they were at school with like their coats and their like hats and their scarves. Have you ever tried to get a child who didn't want to wear a jacket to wear a jacket, especially on a warm day when they're like, I don't need it? They'll never put it on. They won't put a jacket on when it's cold outside. So now you have them leaving and you're like, the sun's out. I guess they're fine. (laughs) And they're not. Wow. It's very sad. It's really sad and it's really like just mind blowing. Right? That it just turned on a dime. Like within an hour and a half period. Yep. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. And take my mind off of my cold, cold fucking day. Okay. So, Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? I'm talking about, uh, I realize lately I've done a lot of stories involving children and missing children and abducted children. Oh, no. Um, Are we doing another children? Is this a children death episode? It's not a children death episode. Okay, good. But it is an abducted child story. (laughs) But... You know, just listen. Maybe this is our um, Where's That Kid episode. Because, you know, the parents of the kids who went missing in the blizzard were like, where's that kid? Where's that kid? So, (laughs) Joy White, um, what was her maiden name at the time? Oh, no, it it was White. Tyson was was Carl's last name. So, Joy White, (laughs) um, she was 16. And she got pregnant by her boyfriend, Carl Tyson, who was not 16. Oh, he no. Was, I, think, I think he was like 22. Ooh. This is 1987. <laughs> In New York. Woof. That's not the part of the story we're focusing on. Okay, got it. So she got pregnant. She was 16. She was really scared. But her boyfriend was around and her mom was, was like, you know what? It's okay. Like, we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of this baby and we are going to do what we need to do to take care of you and this baby. Like, it's cool. You're in a tough spot. I get it. But we're going to take care of this. That's really nice. So she had a baby girl named Carlina on August. Um, or she wasn't born on August 4th. She was born. What's the month before August? July. <laughs> She was born in July, but on August 4th, they took her to the hospital because she had a fever of 104 degrees, which is very high. And she was only um, like two weeks old at this point. She was very young. So they really dangerous. Right. So they took her into the hospital and she had swallowed a little bit of fluid during her delivery. And so she had an infection and she was going to have to stay at the hospital so joy and carl tried to stay at the hospital for as long as they could but they also were like okay you need to like you need to take some time and and go home and um take care of yourself and there was a woman that approached them um she was a nurse or she was dressed as a nurse and (gasps) she told them that she just had a feeling everything was going to be okay and that their daughter was going to be fine and you know not to worry about it everything was going to be all right 
And they're like, you know, okay, like we're going to go home and we're going to, you know, relax and we're going to come back and do what we can and and we're going to get through this. So they came back the next day and their baby girl, Carlina, was gone. (gasps) They described the woman that had talked to them. She was dressed as a nurse and people had seen her around the hospital. Lots of other witnesses were like, yeah, I saw this woman. I saw this woman. But no one could identify her. She was not somebody who worked at the hospital. She was some people, the people who worked at the hospital assumed she was somebody like with the family or with some other family because who just hangs out at a hospital. Sure. And all the people who were like family members thought she was somebody who worked for the hospital because she was dressed like a nurse. They couldn't figure out because no one had seen her leave with the baby. Um, But the baby was gone. So it was kind of decided or figured out that she must have like tucked the baby in her clothes she was kind of a heavier set woman and like maybe tucked the baby in her jacket she and just left. smuggled that baby out of a hospital she took she just took the baby and wasn't the baby hooked up to machines and stuff so the baby had been receiving intravenous antibiotics when between 2 30 and 3 55 a.m someone removed the iv line and abducted her so the woman took the IVs out of the baby and took the baby. A guard said a woman matching the subject's description left the hospital at 3.30 a.m., but no infant was visible. Um, although they, you know, like I said, she was a heavy set woman and they kind of decided or figured out that she must have, like, taken the baby, like, in her jacket or in her smock, whatever she was wearing. Mm-hmm. But she was gone. What the actual fuck? And why would you pick a sick baby? I don't know. Maybe right, that no was answer. just the the baby that was the least attended at the time. Do you know what I mean? It was the middle of the night. But like she said, sought between... out the parents, didn't she? Like, didn't she, she seek? She talked to the parents, but they don't know if she was, like, casing them or if she was somebody, like I said, she had been around the hospital. A number of people had seen her. So maybe she was just con- talking to a bunch of people like that, just being like everything. I'm just trying to like console people randomly. That's so weird. Okay. Yes. Okay. Weird. Okay. So this was the first known case of an infant abduction from a New York hospital. Mm-hmm. This had never happened before at a hospital in New York that anybody knew about. Mm-hmm. A $10,000 reward was offered by the city of New York in 1987 for the return of Carlina. Um, they put up flyers with the baby's picture and I mean, nationwide, they were putting up pictures of this baby everywhere. They were trying to, you know, put her on any like news stories they could like any information to figure out what happened to baby Carlina. Was this before Amber Alerts? Yes, this was 1987, 1988. I don't think Amber Alerts came out until I was like nine or 10. Were they the 90s? Amber Alerts? Yeah, I don't think came out until when did Amber Alerts come out? When did Amber Alert start? Because that's a whole abduction. Like, there's a whole story that leads into the Amber Alert. Yes. Amber Alert. 1996. Yeah, like I said, nine, I said I was wow. 9 or 10. Yeah. Why did I think it was earlier? I would have thought it would have been like 91, 92. 96 still yeah. feels like really recent. And it began in Dallas, Fort Worth. I did know that. And it was like a girl named Abigail system. or something, right? Let's see. No, it's a girl named Amber. That's what it's called, an Amber Alert. See, I kind of assumed it was because of a girl named Amber. Yeah. 
It's a story of a child named... I have heard um, the story. No, it does stand for something. It's America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. And it is named after Amber Hagerman. So both. Yeah. Yes. So yes, this was almost a decade before, before Amber Alerts wow. even okay. existed. This poor baby. Where's the yeah. baby? Her parents fired a uh, filed a one hundred million dollar lawsuit against the hospital in nineteen eighty nine. They obtained a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar settlement in nineteen ninety three. They eventually uh, a, a year they separated for a little while after the abduction. Um, they got back together, then they broke up again, and eventually, like they were they were split up. You know, because yeah. this was some wild shit to go through. Yeah, it's hard for couples to survive any sort of trauma yeah. like that. Yeah. Cut to 22-ish years later. Nedry Nance, she goes by Nettie, and she lives with her mother, Anugeta, who goes by Anne Petway. They are originally from Bridgeport, Connecticut, and they moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's where Nettie was going to school. That's where she grew up. Um, But in her teens, she started to be kind of suspicious that her mom might not be her mom. (gasps) Oh! Let's In 2005, go. Nettie was pregnant with her own daughter, and she was, you know, she was happy about it, although she also was 16. She was very young. But she was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I feel ready for this. Like, I want to do this. My boyfriend is really supportive. We're really happy. We're in a good place. MTV but I need 16 health insurance. and Pregnant is my favorite show. Girl. She's like, but I need health insurance, so I'm going to need my birth certificate, and I'm going to need my social security card so I can get me some health insurance. And her mom, Anne, kept giving her all kinds of excuses for like, oh, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. Mind you, months are going by. She's pregnant. Like, she's getting ready to have her own kid. And she's like, mom, I need that information to get my health insurance. So she ends up going through some of her mom's paperwork. She finds what she believes to be her birth certificate. She's like, great, got my information, goes to apply for health inc- uh, for health insurance. When she turns in this paperwork, the people at the insurance company tell her that her birth certificate is forged. Ooh. She's like, what do you mean it's forged? They're like, this isn't a real birth certificate. This is fake. You're a fake person. This is fake. So she was like... Ha- Trying to make sense of that. Like, what do you mean it's forged? Like, what does that even mean? Right. Can you imagine trying to process that information as a 16-year-old? So she went to her mom and she was like, Mom, I found my birth certificate. I tried to get health insurance and they told me it was fake. Like, this isn't a real birth certificate. What is that? Why don't I have a real birth certificate? What's going on? To which her mother, Anne, broke down and confessed that she wasn't her biological mother, but told her that she had been abandoned by drug addicts <gasps> as a baby. And then she took her in and she didn't know what happened to her parents or who her parents were. But that was why she didn't have, like, her real birth information. Wow. Okay, so we told a quarter of the truth? So she accepted that information for a few years. Um, like I said, she was 16 at that time. What'd she do about so health insurance? Years- How'd she have the baby? How much debt is she in? These are the I real don't have questions. The answers to those questions. <laughs> <laughs> so 
But the years go by, and she knows that her mother isn't biologically her mother. But like she said, her mother told her that she was abandoned by drug addicts. Like, she thought that was the end of that story. But she never stopped being curious and, you know, wanting to know, like, who... Are you my mother? ...her family was. And she wanted to know if there was a way that she could figure out who they were. So she did, like, a DNA test um, that she tracked with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And they were able to take her pictures and, like, take the information about, like, the area that she was from. Like, she knew she was from Connecticut, which, by the way, she lived in Connecticut. She was in New York, right? She had been pregnant, but she miscarried. She didn't tell anyone in her life that she miscarried. (sighs) And then she left for a few months and came back with a baby and everyone just assumed it was the baby that she had had. That was why wow. it wasn't that strange to her family that she had nobody was like, Where'd you get that baby? Because they wow. all thought it was her baby. Yes. Wow. What a weird way to grieve the loss of your child. Girl. So, you know, um, Nettie was like, Okay, I'm from Connecticut. Like, I know that that was where like we lived when I was really little, but like somewhere in Northeast, not really like here where we live now in Atlanta. Um, and like, you know, they had her DNA sample and they had pictures of her when she was a little kid. So she was looking through some missing cases in the area, right? That they had sent her where they're like, okay, here's some that narrow it down a little bit. And there was one missing baby named Carlina White. And she thought to herself, that baby looks just like my baby. Like when my daughter was a baby, that looks exactly like that. Maybe that's me as a baby. What a weird and thought to have. Maybe that's me as a baby. Isn't that weird? Wow. So she called the center's hotline and she was able to contact her birth family. DNA profiling confirmed in January of 2011 that she was, in fact, the missing baby, Carlina wow. White. Yeah. How does it feel to be that mom? That your missing baby found you. Oh, they were elated. Oh, I obviously. bet. Oh, my God. Um, I bet. And, yeah, her family said that even after all this time, they had never given up hope that she would come Aww. home. That she just said she always knew that Carlina would find her way home. She just always had a feeling. She couldn't explain it because Carlina was 19 days old when she was abducted. Yeah, she's um, an so it blew, you know, blew their minds. They were, of course, at this point, they had split up as a couple, Joy and, and you know, Carl. Mm-hmm. But they they both had this pain of their missing baby. Like, they both They were ready to deal for with that, that baby. Yeah. Yeah. They were ready. So, and then it was ripped. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. when they got back together again, it was very emotional. It was, you know, it was great. They were really happy. They really enjoyed each other's you know experience i guess of seeing each other um it answered a lot of questions but at the same time there were complications from that in that Nettie knew that Anne was not her mother and what she had done was criminally wrong but she had raised her her and she loved her as her mother and of course joy and carl were like that bitch needs to go to jail she stole our baby like no question so that difficulty made some trouble in their relationship but they still like you know found each other and they were grateful to have each other ultimately Petaway um did turn herself in 
She pleaded guilty to federal kidnapping. She got a plea bargain and she ended up getting um, 12 years in prison. Wow. At the time, she was 50 years old, so she would be 62 when she gets out. She's currently serving her sentence in the Federal Correctional Institution in Aliceville, Alabama. Wow. Upon um, So her parents had, like, put... They initially, when they won that settlement, they had made, like, a trust fund for Carlina. But the trust fund was supposed to be until she, you know, until she was 21 is how long they held it. Um, But she didn't come back to them before she was 21. And so when she didn't come back, they ended up just getting the trust back. um, And it got spent, you know, on life. Life life happens. Um, So they didn't have that money for her because when she found them, ultimately, I think she was like 23. So like two years later. In May 2011, public defender Robert Baum said that he met Carlina White during preparations for Anne Petaway's trial, that White agreed to testify on Petway's behalf because that was the woman who raised her. Mm-hmm. By the following July, White became estranged from her biological parents because she was gonna a character witness her. for the yeah. woman who stole her. Yeah. However, several months later, she contacted both of her biological parents individually, having had a bit more time to process the situation. She later publicly stated that the issue over the settlement funds was just a misunderstanding. And while Carlina White is her legal name, as it appears on official documents, she said that she would still go by Nettie because her name that her mother that you know her mother quote unquote that Anne gave her was Najira and Carlina was the name that her biological parents gave her but Nettie was her nickname that she came up with for herself so Nettie was what she felt the most comfortable going by and she was going to keep going by Nettie. I like and that. in 2014, White spoke at the Crimes Against Children Conference, the leading national training event for law enforcement professionals working to combat child victimization. And as of 2014, which was the last time she was really like heard from in public, you know, six years ago, she still has a relationship with all of her parents, her biological parents and the woman that raised her who's in jail. Oh, ultimately, that's a happy ending. Yes, I think so. I, I mean, think yes, so too. what she went through was shouldn't have happened and shouldn't, you know, have fucking been kidnapped, but at least she found her real parents and and she's living she's like that's cool now I'm going to go back to living like a normal life. Exactly. I found my parents. It sucks, but I'm in contact with them and my mom and her mom, but her adopt her stole Stolative, her right the woman who oh raised God. her the woman who stole her her kidnapper he ki- her kidnapper her kidnapper slash parent her kidnapped mother um <laughs> she still has a really it, it's only twelve years that's not that long of a time her kidnapperant there it is her <laughs> kidnapperant is only serving twelve years kidnapperant which is not a lot of time and it's like. Yeah, she needs to she needs to have consequences to her actions. They're not yeah. the most severe, but they are consequences. Yeah, 12 years considering she had her for like 20 years. That's like And you're going to have her, her like after a year your... for each year she was stolen. And let's be honest, she's going to get out before 12 years. Like she didn't commit a huge major, I mean, she stole a child. But she didn't steal the child to murder the child. Right, like she didn't murder a child. She stole the child and gave the child a good life, but she hurt two people in the process. But she didn't murder them. Right. 
So I'm like, she'll probably get out in like eight years. We'll see what happens. But that's my story. Your story ends a lot nicer than mine did. It did. I was happy to know that I was going to at least end my story on a good note. That is good. I am glad that that's the way we're ending the episode. <laughs> I appreciate it. But then, that. of course, that made me get really interested in all these other, like, this person went Abducted. missing for many, many years, but showed up again. Now I'm like, I want to read all of those stories. Those are crazy. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's plenty of material to sit on. I know, Each right? one. <laughs> Each one. I've got a whole bunch of them to sit on now. Bam. That's what she said. <laughs> she did because she's me and i said that bam bam all right everybody well um <laughs> thank you for listening to our show subscribe to our patreon we have awesome stuff on there email us at deadtime stories with a z at gmail.com go to our website buy some merch and of course you can still support us totally for free by leaving us a five-star review on itunes and that's crucial you can get a sticker for that if you take a picture and send it to us but otherwise it, that's it right that's it yeah that's it that's right okay well thanks for listening everybody i'm stephanie and i'm sarah and this, and this has, has been, been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 